voice hearings, voice 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 hearings, voice 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 this is Hearing Voices, conversations with the voices that bring the excitement of college sports alive. Now, here's your host, the voice of your fighting Tigers, Chris Blair. Welcome back in, Tiger fans, for another week of Hearing Voices, where we get an opportunity to sit down, visit, and as I say, learn a little from the voices that bring us college sports. And it is really a, a thrill and a pleasure to have our guest on set here at the luxurious LSU Gold Studios. Harrison Valentine taking care of the ones and twos, taking care of us. And we are, everybody is stoked. We've got the voice of Tiger Stadium and the Maravich Center, the legend Dan Bournet. <laughs> Dan, it is uh, great to see you. We'll talk about a number of things today, but the question right out of the gate is are you ready? Because it is coming. I came from the scrimmage and practice earlier today, and that's kind of the indication of me. I'm not very smart, but that's when I figured <laughs> out, you know what, i got to get ready. Kickoff's coming. It's been building up, and uh, by the time that we tee it up, it'll, uh, it'll just going to be at a, at, a, at a pace that I, I'm looking forward to. Well, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready. I tell you, I, I was super excited. Harrison, of course, takes care of, of getting all of our illustrious guests, and we were able to uh, twist your arm enough to bring you in, and I thought this is going to be a great opportunity because it's kind of the, the, the point of the show is we've had television broadcasters, radio broadcasters each week of the season for the opposing teams, and while you know some of them you know, right. you all know, everybody knows their voices if they follow that particular team. So uh, there's countless millions of people over the years that have heard your voice. So I thought it would be cool to bring you in and, and talk about what it's like. Uh, we're talking football right now, but as I said, the Merivitt Center and Tiger Stadium, I mean, you, you provide the soundtrack to people who come to, to take in the Tigers. Well, I appreciate it. I don't know about millions, but um, I'll be uh, entering my 37th year this year, and uh, that's in football and basketball, 35 years it'll start. Uh, two years apart because I started football in 86 and started basketball in 88. So um, every season's different. Every season is exciting. Every season's going to be fun. Uh, all of the uh, improvements that we've made to Tiger Stadium, to fan experience, the ambiance of coming out to a football game, even if you never step foot in that stadium, uh, it's going to be an exciting, exciting seven, seven playing dates this year. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. You know, it was interesting, you may not believe this, but I do a little bit of research uh, on my guests when I come in here, and I did not know. I was yesterday year old when I figured out that you got your start behind the mic calling action on a baseball diamond over in Thibodeau, Louisiana, as the play-by-play announcer. That's right. So all, the, all this time that you and I have, have known each other, I did not know that. That's... That's how you got comfortable with a microphone, was calling baseball. We had a uh, commercial radio station in Thibodeau, and the athletic director at Nichols in 1964 had come to Nichols from LSU. His name was Ray Didier. He had been mm -hmm. football uh, assistant here with the national championship team, and he had been an SEC champion baseball coach. He came to Nichols to, uh, to run the athletic program, and he thought it would be really good to have Nichols on radio, Nichols baseball. So I was a young guy, a freshman in college, hanging around the station, the television station, radio station, rather, and uh, it just fell to me to do uh, Nichols baseball for four years. 
took great trips, lots of long, long, uh, you know, uh, afternoons and no, half no evenings. No private charter jets? No, no. Uh, a 1946 uh, mostly broken down old Greyhound was our team bus <laughs> that the lighting was so bad uh, you couldn't read the small print in the book that you had to read for the next day in class. <laughs> the Shakespeare book, the print was so teeny you couldn't read it. But it was a great experience, and it kind of it, it introduced me to calling uh, college sports and uh, came up to Baton Rouge to work at Channel 9 when I came to graduate school. And Sid Crocker, who was the PA guy at Tiger Stadium at the time, also worked at Channel 9. So when I came to cover my first LSU game in September of 1968, that'll age you, uh, Sid said, come up to my booth. And uh, he said, you might be doing this one day. And it was, it was a big joke. We, we kidded about it. But 1985 came around, and, you know, life had happened to both of us over those years. And Sid retired from the PA booth. And I called him and asked him who was going to take his place. And he said he didn't know. So I wrote the athletic director a letter, Bob Broadhead. Didn't know him, didn't know anybody in his staff. And in December of 85, I wrote a letter saying, you know, I'd kind of like to do the, the PA job at Tiger Stadium. And I heard nothing, Chris, till August of uh, <laughs> Of, uh, of, of, of 86, when I got a call from Bob Broadhead's office. He said, we found your letter. Why don't you come and visit with us? So I, so I had to reconnect with my letter. So I went up there, and he had three guys in there with him who were all high-quality uh, assistants in his athletic program here. But they were all from Florida, and they were not really South Louisianians. So they said, we got your letter, and can you pronounce these names? And it was Boudreaux, Robichaux, Sheck Snyder, you know, False, Daigle. Uh, Chasson. I said, pronounce them. I know they're daddies. What do you mean? <laughs> and, but the true story is, uh, I asked them after all of that, why uh, did you pick me? And they said, because no one else had asked. No one else had even inquired about it. And so I call it the power of the ask. And whenever I talk to college students or high school students, I always tell them, listen, find something you really want to do. Find someone that does it well and ask that person how did you become what you are? And I'm sure, Chris, throughout your career, these things haven't come easy to you. You've had to ask for some things. Oh, yes. And, uh, and that's, how, that's how people get along. And that's exactly how I got the PA job. You know, I want to go back because I, I, I know that story about you asked for the job and they thought, well, he's the only guy, and, which turned out it was a, a brilliant hire on uh, Mr. Broadhead's part. Oh, you're kind. Thank but you. go back to Nichols for a moment because mm -hmm. I wanted to ask a similar question. Mm -hmm. So, as you said, you're a freshman. Mm -hmm over at Nichols and how did that did they approach you did once again did you come to them and say hey if you're looking for somebody I'm available to call games if you want me to as a freshman member of something called the key club I did a Saturday morning radio show with two seniors and I was a freshman and just telling people about what was going on at Nichols and the two seniors, of course, would come in pretty well hungover from a Friday night. And <laughs> right. eventually they morphed that program into me so they didn't have to show up. So when the station decided to do baseball games, they asked me, uh, who was uh, in school at the time and knew all the athletes, because Nichols was very small back then, would you like to be the color commentator for the, uh, the broadcast? And, and I said, sure, because I know the players, I know the game. And the guy who called the first game was the ad manager at KTIB. And he asked me uh, during the game, uh, would you like to do an inning or two? So I, I did an inning or two. And after the game, he said, listen, I'm going back to selling. You got this. So from that point on, I did all the games with, with no color commentary. It was, you know, I did them both. Yeah, yeah. that's, a, that's a, for those who haven't done it, calling a baseball game, which is exciting. 
But when there's nobody to bounce it off yeah. of and you're talking, it's a long haul. Though. It's a long haul. Uh, baseball games are long, and if you got to do a, a double header, which we often did, yeah, it gets weary. But that's all right. Yeah, that's why I'm lucky. I've got Doug Thompson, Buzzy Hydell, by the Hunt way, Palmer, that, that, Bill Frankes. That team you all have in baseball, and in football, and in basketball is just primo. I, I don't go to any road games. Listen to the games, your call, okay, on, on, on all baseball games, all road games, all uh, football games. And um, I'll tell you, you guys are great. Uh, well, that's you know, a great your, group. Your, 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 your color commentators, your, they're first class, and they don't talk over you, and they know exactly when to say what. And you've just got to be delighted working with them. I, I am. I'm very lucky. Yeah. Extremely lucky. Now, I also know, as you mentioned, you came to work here in television while you were in grad school. Mm -hmm. um, and, again, exposure to radio and eventually mm -hmm. TV at a very mm -hmm. young age. Mm -hmm. But what was it about you, looking back on it now, that you decided, you know what, I'm going to go in a different career. I know a degree or studied at one time journalism, so yeah. that was kind of in your background. But you said, you know what, I'm going to get out of this media business and go get a real job because that is the secret to success as far as I'm concerned. It was, it was opportunity and um, availability. Opportunities came up and I was available. I had very good mentoring uh, growing up in Thibodeau and in every successive job I had, uh, I feel like the mentors I had helped me prepare for the job and helped me in the job. So I ended up getting a master's uh, later, much later, in, uh, in mass comm or in journalism. But my basic degree was in history and government. And I had an opportunity to go back to Nichols to teach after my Channel 9 days, which I did. And in the middle of that teaching gig, um, a U.S. senator called and asked me to come up and be his assistant in Washington, D.C., and so I went to the president of the school. He said, yeah, go because you can help me up there more than you can help me here. <laughs> yeah, so right. then I started a, <clears throat> a career in government where I worked in, in the course of it, a congressman, three senators, and a, and a governor. So for about 8, 12 years, that was something that I did. And then there's a point in time where I got married, had a family, and with three small kids, uh, it, you don't want to bet your future on any individual political candidate. So it was the opportunity came to go to work for a big multinational corporation, which I did. And for 10 years, I worked for Kaiser Aluminum. Uh, and after that, an opportunity came to work for a bunch of those big companies, which I did for 28 years, Louisiana Chemical Association. So it's, it, it's, uh, it's been um, opportunity meeting availability uh, with preparation that I give solely to uh, the men and women who have served as mentors in my life. Well, again, for all the kiddos out there listening, listen to what Mr. Bournay is talking about. I got a degree in government, worked in government, and then got into media. I did it backwards. His is a, it's a much better, safer. <laughs> I don't know about that, Chris. Yeah. So. Uh, you're you're kind. Let's, let's talk about preparation because mm -hmm. usually when I have, uh, you know, Tom Hart on here from the SEC Network and ESPN, mm -hmm. uh, this season, of course, we'll have – David Kellamon, voice of Ole Miss, mm -hmm. uh, all the all the teams that we're going to play. One of the things I like to, to kind of find out from them is is how they prepare. Mm -hmm. And um, for you, like I was out there at practice uh, earlier today watching the scrimmage, and I'm out there with the, the roster sheet, and mm -hmm. I'm really playing the game memory that we all remember as a kid because I'm trying to get name and number together. Um, for you, what, what's kind of – your preseason. I'll talk about what you do during yeah. the week, but preseason. How do you get ready for 
your duties at Tiger Stadium. About this time, I start paying close attention to who's, uh, who's getting the reps, who's going to be playing, basically, and who might not be. Uh, but I don't spend a lot of time on it until about a week before when the rosters are pretty well set. Then you basically know who's going to show up. When you get your depth charts uh, on your flip charts, and for the folks here, a flip chart is a, is a large piece of cardboard that's got basically all the names, numbers, and uh, you know hometowns, height weights of all of the players. You get a pretty good idea who's going to be in the game most of the time. Um, so you start looking at that. But I don't have to memorize a whole lot, and the reason is I call the plays after they run them. You call them as they run them. <laughs> Big difference. Big difference because I got help that will identify the number of the person who ran the ball and the number of the person who made the stop. And those two spotters, which, which I have who stand on either side of me, uh, they're my lifeline because if they tell me something wrong and I say it, then 102,231 people think I'm an idiot. That's right. Okay. That's why they have to be perfect, and they are. They're two girls that are the former students of mine here at LSU. Chris, I used to use guys. And after a few years, it, it became evident to me that the guys don't really want to spot. They want to coach. So, mm, yeah. so if, if I ask a guy uh, who broke up the pass, uh, a likely answer would be we should have run a post instead of a flag. Okay, that doesn't help me at all. Okay? Not in that time, not, not, no. Not, not a bit. So I, I, I fired the guys. In fact, I told one, my best friend, Greg Bowser, I said, Bowser, you got to quit giving me the number of the defense. you got to give me the number of the guy who made the stop. I said, you ought to be in TV. And he went into TV and spent like 15 years. In <laughs> well, he listened to you. Yeah, he did. He's great. But the, good, the gals now, they're perfect, Chris. You know, and, and the only thing they have to do is to know the difference between the number 28 and the number 82. And if they get that down, uh, we're going to do just fine. I depend on them a lot. Absolutely. Dan Bournet, our guest this week on Hearing Voices. Get ready. You're going to hear him very soon. Uh, his uh, booming voice coming throughout Tiger Stadium. You know, I, I was going to say, I, I know there is a rhyme and reason to what looks to the outsider as chaotic once kickoff comes. Now, that's, that's not totally accurate because you're busy doing other things over mm -hmm. the public address before kickoff. But you and I both realize that that's when people, as you say, are really paying attention. Yeah. And there is very uh, little margin for error and I find when people come into our booth, occasionally we'll have guests or the university will bring somebody by, that they're a little surprised that the activity, and, oh. and I'll say controlled chaos yeah. that's going on because of how fast the game is going. Um, and I got to believe, and I know for a fact because I've seen it, um, it's very orchestrated, but I like to call it controlled chaos. Yeah. Is that similar in the public address? Yes, booth? it is. In fact, it's most chaotic about 45 minutes before kickoff. Because that's when everything's got to be done according to the clock. We are as tethered to the clock in the 45 minutes before kickoff, basically 60 minutes before kickoff, as the team is tethered to the clock in the 60 minutes of actual play of a football game. Everything has to happen. Everything has to be on time. It's got, you've got to get people off the field in time to get other people on the field. That is chaos. The game begins, and there's, a, there's sort of a subtle... Uh, quiet to the booth because the play is the thing, to quote Shakespeare. The play yeah. is the thing. And everyone's focused on the play. And while that's happening, the only thing I hear is my two spotters telling me what's going on. And I also have an earphone that goes into Jimmy Manasseh's booth 
he is the inside PA, so press box hears stuff that Jimmy says. It's much more right. detail. That's really all I'm focused on. We know when, for example, there are going to be spots coming up. We know when they're going to be natural breaks. We know when the network's going to take three and a half minutes to uh, – uh, by the way, I love the, the little – twisting clock they have now they tell you exactly how much time you have to go down to the restroom and come exactly. back exactly that's the best um, reason to have it but uh uh when the game breaks out there's a it's it's actually calmer during the game than it is during pregame. but we got four people across and five sometimes on my level two behind me and then we have three or four up top running the clock running the uh electronic stuff for the pa system so it's a crowded booth yeah, no doubt about it. It is something to watch, uh, and I know over the years they've they've had little snippets fans have of an inside look of what it's like inside that booth. One of the things that stands out, and 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 you bring it up, and that's a great point that you more so than us, we we have uh, what I call a loose timeline. But uh, as you pointed out, once that clock hits and they start counting down, those yep. officials are going to place that football right. on that tee. But I've had people who've worked with me before, especially spotters who get a chance to maybe do it for the first time. And it almost always happens. They will tell me afterwards they have never watched a football game that went that fast. Is that similar with your crew? It is similar, and it is is infinitely faster than it's ever been. The game has really quickened. Now, you're not supposed to say anything over the PA after the – uh, referee puts the ball down and the team approaches the line. Now, you used to have huddles. So you could say some stuff between the, the huddle, the break in the huddle, and the approach of the ball. Now, with the hurry-up offenses, they're ready to go. And sometimes they'll go on the, first, on the first hut, first snap. Sometimes they'll do some one clap and they're gone. And if you're not careful, you're talking over the snap. So you have to kind of time yourself to make sure you're not interfering with the game, by, by calling the game. You don't have that problem because you're not on the PA. But it's something I have to be sensitive to. The game is, has really, really raced by, and sometimes there are times when you can't, you don't have the time to say who ran the ball, who made the stop, and then down in distance. The offense is moving too quick. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Um, you know, I've had people who have, you know, Patrick Wright, of course, who works on our crew and handles uh, women's basketball and softball during football season. There's typically that time where there's a – uh, overlap, and he will go with women's basketball to call the games on the radio, and we'll have somebody stand in for him who does stats for us. Right. Uh, and, you know, it, inevitably, every time that happens, they will say to me, you know, I'm used to watching a football game I either at home or I'm watching it in the stands here at Tiger Stadium, and a big play happens. I'm high-fiving everybody around me. We're screaming. We're hollering. And, you know, then the next play happens. And when they come up and work in the booth, they realize that once that play is done, then you're working to prepare for the next yeah. play. That's where it speeds up on them. And before they know it, the first quarter's gone by and they feel like it took five minutes. Coach George Allen of the Washington Redskins had a saying for that. The future is now. Mm-hmm. The play is now. And it's always coming up. And it's coming up a lot quicker in college football than it's ever been. You know, I think I've told you this. In fact, I think I told you last year uh, up in our radio studio, and I really mean this. And, again, it's great to have uh, a legend, LSU legend, Dan Bournet, with us here on Hearing Voices. That I, I don't know how many Tiger fans, I'm sure, have taken trips to other places, but I don't know that we all appreciate the public address voices we have here at LSU. And, and I'm speaking from a truly professional standpoint. Um, you know, it's – 
it, you guys, uh, obviously at Tiger Stadium and and, uh, and at the Maravich Center, Bill Frank is obviously well-known at the box, uh, are, to me, the, the two pros in this business. Because we go places. I go to all the games on the road. And um, I won't say that you can't sense there's a little bit of fan in you for excitement. You mm-hmm. kind of seem to exactly know when the excitement needs to be there without going over the top. Because I can tell you, Dan, we go places – where they're almost a, they're dang near cheerleading. Yeah. And that happens in high school football a lot, Chris, where the PA guy becomes a play-by-play guy. Um, yeah, there's a fine line between uh, just approaching the top and going over so far that you embarrass the other team or something like yeah. that, which you never want to do. I think, I think uh, the, the key, when I, I, I did a, a seminar for high school uh, PA announcers a few years ago for the High School Athletic Association, and I said I think the key is the play is the thing, and the less said, the better. Because they're not there to hear me. They're there to get down in distance, who made the stop, and then they want to focus on the next play. So I try not to, uh, I try not to o- over-talk it, over-speak it. I can't imagine this has ever happened, but it just, it just dawned on me to ask you this. Have you ever had friends, family, people you know say, you know, Dan, you could get a little more, you know, Get after them a little bit, you know. Uh, sure. Have, have you have they asked sure. for that? Sure, they have. And yeah, how can bu- you how can you stay so neutral? And, you know, yeah. Oh, well, because the last thing you want to do, this is not a professional sport. These are amateurs, right? And the last thing you want to do is embarrass a kid, or embarrass his team, or embarrass his fans. You don't want them leaving this stadium saying that PA guy was a jerk because he said something that you know was off color or just totally out of place. So you try to you try to monitor that. On the flip side of that, have you ever had anybody say that you've gone over the top? Have, in all the years you've done it, has anybody from LSU or somebody even from another team say, you know what, that PA guy was a little over the top? You know, I can't I, imagine. I can't recall honestly, but even if they did, I've blocked it out now. So <laughs> just a negative member. But mention Bill Frank S. I got to give Bill. You know, I've I've missed three games in, in now thirty six years. Uh, two of them associated with what I do as a deacon. Uh, my ministry as a deacon in the Catholic Church. Once we had a retreat, uh, the night of a football game because it was a New Orleans based retreat, and uh, New Orleans goes by the Saints schedule, not by the LSU schedule. So they schedule a retreat in the middle of football season. And so Bill did the game for me, and uh, we beat Kentucky that night. Then uh, a few years later, uh, I had a wedding I committed to do in New Orleans. I was going to officiate at a wedding at a little couple because we had an away game. So I figured there's no way in the world we're going to have a, a, you know, it's not going to be a problem. I'm going to be playing in Columbia, South Carolina. The wedding will be in New Orleans. Well, guess what? The flood. Yep. So the Gamecocks have to come here to play us. And I have this uh, moral dilemma. Do I, you know, there's no dilemma. I mean, football games come and go. Marriages last forever, hopefully. And so Bill did that one, aced it. We beat South Carolina. And then a couple of seasons ago, we, we did a basketball game on a Friday night. This has happened sometimes. And we did a football game the following Saturday, Friday night basketball. So I blew my voice out because I had a cold Friday night. Couldn't talk on Saturday. Once again, Bill to the rescue. We beat, we beat Rice. So in 36 years, Bill Frank is, is a perfect 3-0. Greatest pinch hitter who ever sat behind a mic. The only thing I'm worried about is I might be Wally Pipped by Bill Frank. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Bill does an that excellent job. That would be an job, honor, by the way. But that's but not going to happen. That would be an honor to be, to be pit, Wally Pipped by Bill. 
Again, Dan Bournet, our guest this week on uh, Hearing Voices. And, you know, we mentioned the season is coming up and, and you'll get ready. You're already, you know, week out, you'll start get preparing for it. You know, a little behind the scenes for an opposing team. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know that you are a stickler for the same reasons I am to getting the names correct. Right. Uh, because mom's there, grandma's there, aunt and uncles, whatever the case may be. Um, for the visiting team, mm-hmm. um, ever had an issue where leading yes. into the game, like, wait a minute, we can't find the people that can confirm yeah. this or that? Some of these names are hard. Now, for our names, a guy named Chris Boyer takes care of that for me. No. <laughs> because, and I, this is true, I go onto the website – and by, right by each of the players is the pronunciation of the player's name. That's right. I'm Anchorman because so, <clears throat> they on, give it to me and I do it. There you go. But on, but on tough, on tough uh, pronunciations, I'll, I'll use a little digital recorder and I'll play it back over and over and over to make sure I get it like you say it. Many opposing teams have that same service on their website. Some don't. But before every game, I make it the point to get with the sports information director from that school who always travels with the football team. And that person uh, – she or he and I go through their roster, and we get the pronunciations for those that are difficult. Now, lots of them have hard names pronounced, but they're not, they're not on the travel squad. So I'll wait until I get a roster, a play roster, then I go and find the right person, and that person will give me the pronunciation. So There you go, a little behind the scenes I, I have a story about that if you have a minute. Sure. Years ago, we had a player named Wendell Davis, and uh, he's a fantastic uh, receiver. And uh, the first time I called his name, I called his name Wendell. Uh, Hodson's pass complete to Wendell Davis. And so for the first couple of weeks after that, people were on me saying, it's Wendell, it's Wendell, it's Wendell. I said, you know, I'm not sure. Well, this you won't believe. I ran into his mother at a checkout counter of a hotel at an away game. She had his picture on her, uh, on her blouse with his number. And I said, ma'am, how do you pronounce your son's name? She says, my son's name is Wendell. So I was, I was completely at ease from that point on, Wendell Davis. He's yeah, now I mean, in the LSU Sports Hall of Fame Yeah, no, as, that's, as Wendell Davis. you gotta, you got to go with what mom says. That's right. It's no doubt about it. I've even had players before, Dan, and I'm sure this has happened to you too. I've asked them, hey, I want to, you know, I am Chris, and I want to make sure I get your name right. Um, and they will tell me if I, I've made the mistake before of telling them what I think it is Mm -hmm. and they'll go, yeah, that's it. Mm. And then I will get an email or a correspondence or a message that mom said, (laughs) that's not right. That's right. So I appreciate the young man, you know, saving my feelings, but uh, I really need him to tell me exactly how mama calls their name. You are again, tied to some of the, just, I mean, you know, Harrison and I were talking before you came to the studio. He's talking about, you know, he can recite the things you say at Tiger Stadium because he's listened to it since the time he was, you know, five years old or maybe even sooner. This is an unfair question, but I think it'd be fun. There are certain triggers throughout the game, pregame included, mm-hmm. where you, you are uh, the, the rouser. There are certain lines you have that trigger an LSU crowd unlike any place in America. Do you have a favorite? Is there one that you know, man, the hair is going to stick up when I do this? They all happen so accidentally. Uh, I used to say in, in 86, uh, here come the Tigers. And then I stole uh, that by here the way. come the LSU to. Tigers. And uh, Herb Vincent and um, uh, Steve Carter, who worked up here at the time, said, you know, how about saying – here come 
the fighting tigers. I said, how about we say, here come your fighting tigers? And then Herb said, well, what about uh, like Saturday night? Say, say something about Saturday night. I said, well, what about if we say something like, it's Saturday night in Death Valley, and here come your fighting tigers of LSU. And over a year or so, it, it morphed into that, and that's it now. I mean, you, you've got to say that or they come looking for you. <laughs> and then this whole thing about chance of rain never, I mean, who'd have dreamed? Growing up from, in Thibodeau and coming to these games since I was eight years old, uh, my aunt used to say uh, it never rains in Tiger Stadium. And I don't know why she said it, but she would say it. And um, I, Ed, John Ed Bradley wrote a book about it. Uh, no, no one knows where it came from, but uh, well, I used to give the weather straight up. It's 82 degrees. It's 100% humidity. The wind's from the south at 10 miles an hour. A chance of rain, 40%. And one day, I simply said, and it wasn't to be cute, I just said chance of rain never. Well, you know. Caught on, man. Now, if you don't see it, they're looking for you, you know. And they got T-shirts that have this. I hope LSU is getting a few shekels off of that. <laughs> and then there's this other thing. That it just happened that one evening we were playing a late afternoon game, and uh, it was the end of the third quarter, and they began retiring the colors, retiring the, the American flag in the uh, south end zone. And I simply said that um, the, uh, the sun – uh, has found its home in the western sky, and it is now Saturday night in Death Valley. Well, and then the band started that bump, and everybody went nuts. So now everybody's waiting for that. Well, I don't overuse it, but it just happened to fit. Okay, it happened to fit uh, for that. So those kind of things, you don't plan on them like this. It is a pantheon of concrete and steel. I mean, uh, they've got a Hollywood actor doing that, and that's great because he's better than I am, but... That came about as a request from the marketing department in 2010. Can you jot a few things down that you remember about Tiger Stadium? And in 30 minutes or so, I just I, I, I sent it to them, not knowing what they're going to do with it. And a month later, it was playing on the screen. So you know, none, of this, none of this is contrived. None of this is planned. It, just happy happenings. I tell you, for my money, I love all of them. And I sit up there. I'm usually in the booth a good 40 minutes till kickoff. And I'll be honest, there's not a whole lot I'm doing. Kind of the haze in the barn at that point. I'm waiting for him to kick it off. Uh, Doug and Gordy are doing all the heavy lifting at that point. But I, I, it, it still gets to me. And But my favorite, without question, is the sun has found its home in the western sky. I mean – Ready to go when I hear you say it. So thank well, you for that. And, I, and I'm thanking you for millions again of Tiger fans. Well, you're welcome. It doesn't always work, doesn't always fit, but uh, sometimes it does. And, and the key is kind of having a feel for when it does and doesn't fit so you don't make a fool out of yourself. You well, you've got, <laughs> you've got the voice, you've got the, the writing, and uh, sometimes, as you say, having the feel for the right moment. You got that too, Dan. You, 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 know, you know all about that, Chris. You know there's, a, there's something visceral that tells you when the right time is to say something that is profound, said at any other time, might appear to be trite. Professionalism breeds that. You know that. I mean, I, and I'm, I'm here telling you what a tremendous play-by-play -play guy you are all the way around. Well, that's, that's awfully nice of you. But we are, all of us here at LSU Gold and everybody watching are huge fans of, of Dan Bournet, and we are excited uh, for that opening game, week two of this season, to be back inside Tiger Stadium. and uh, Historic game, by the way. Yes, we'll be ready to hear the dulcet tones as LSU takes on Southern. Going to be a great day for Baton Rouge, great day for Louisiana, and always a great day for LSU. Dan, it's a pleasure to have you. Hope to have you on again real soon, and 
Looking forward to the start of the season. I'll see you, uh, well, just down the hall here at Tiger Stadium. Thanks a lot, Chris. Go Tigers. All right, fans, we thank you for stopping by, and I can't thank Dan Bournet enough to taking time out uh, here just before the season starts to come in and talk a little bit about uh, what he does and how much he means uh, for us at LSU. We'll be back next week uh, from the SEC Network and ESPN. You know him. You've seen him. You've heard him. We're going to have Tom Hart. We're going to get his thoughts on uh, what it's like to broadcast in the stadium and now sometimes from home watching it on TV. And we'll also pick his brain about what he expects for SEC football here in 2022. And until we do that, for Dan Bournet, our producer Harrison Valentine, this is Chris Blair saying so long, everybody. And I'm still hearing voices.